0: to Terry's mysterious moments season 3 Thank you for joining me on this journey into the odd the weird the strange hope you'll enjoy it Now on with the show Good evening, everybody. This is Terry from Texas. and how are y'all tonight? I'm doing well, thank you. Much better than last week. Sorry about taking a week off, but I was so far down I couldn't see up. But anyway, that's beside the point. Let's go ahead and get with tonight's stories. I want to take the time first to welcome a relatively new listener to Terry's Mysterious Moments. His name is Leo, and we have talked several times since he started listening and he has sent me some personal stories of places he grew up in both in Brenham and places his family lived in Houston I believe he said it was so let's go ahead and get on with Leo's stories he tells me these are just a few of the stories I heard over and over growing up They are what got me into the paranormal. And he further told me that his wife doesn't like it, but he does. He starts off with this story. In the early 80s, my parents lived in a house in Houston. My dad was a bakery manager, so his hours were long, from about 5 a.m. to 6 or 7 p.m. or later. So my mom would always be alone, and this was before my sister and I came around. She would hear the sounds of growling coming from the closets and rooms, and they didn't own a dog at the time. She would buy fruit and put it in a fruit bowl in the center of the kitchen table and come back minutes later to find every piece of fruit with finger indentations in them. My dad would be up early, eating breakfast in the kitchen before he left for work, and one day he got up from the table and scooted his chair back, and walked away from the table and he heard a sound behind him so he turned around to see his chair scooting itself back under the table. His dad would sleep with a glass of water on his nightstand so he didn't have to get up and go to the kitchen to get a drink if he woke up during the night. And he said something threw that water on his face while he slept and they found the empty glass in bed between his mom and his dad. They'd have the comforter pulled off of them at night, and they'd immediately wake up and see the comforter at the end of their bed, hanging in midair, as if someone were holding it up, and then it would drop to the floor. Back then, burglar bars were all the rage, and the house they lived in had them on every exterior door, and they were always locked at night. So one night, Leo says his dad... His mom and a friend of theirs were sitting in the living room watching TV when the doorknob of the door leading to the garage started turning violently as if someone were really trying to get in, and they just sat there and watched it. Then the entire door started shaking, and the entire wall that the door was in started shaking so hard. After it stopped, Leo said his dad went into the garage to make sure there was no one there and found no one and the door leading outside was locked with the burglar bars locked as well. The garage was empty except for a few boxes and some lawn equipment. Leo says after I moved out, my mom was cleaning my room and she saw a large black shadow walk across my room and disappear into my TV. My mom would hear whispers in her ear and no one would be around. Once she was brushing her teeth and she looked up at the mirror and saw a man behind her, but upon turning found no one there. It was a very small restroom and there wouldn't have been enough room for another person anyway. He says, when my dad was building our garage, he was in a trench he had dug for the rebar and he felt a hand on his shoulder, and he turned around expecting to see my mom, me, or my sister, and no one was there. One day in his late teen years, he says, I've gotten home from work. Everyone else was at the lake, and I was going to change and head out there too, but I hear the dishes in our sink being moved around. So I naturally thought it was my brother-in-law, since he always came to our house, and just made himself at home. So I went to say hi and there wasn't anyone else in the house. I ran out of there so fast I forgot to shut the front door, but I just left it. I don't blame you, Leo. My dad told me back in about 1985 when we lived here in Brenham, before we moved to Houston and then back to Brenham, my sister, mom and I had gone to visit family in Mexico, so my dad was home alone. He had locked the bedroom door at night. One night, he said he woke up to find a woman laying on top of him. Only, this woman had the head of an average-sized woman, but a very tiny body. My dad got up really fast and switched on the light, but no one was there. and The door was still locked. I asked Leo if these events were in Brenham or in Houston. Just for clarification, he said, and this was in a messenger chat one night, He said, these stories took place here in Brenham. And to be very honest, as I'm laying in bed typing this, I can see the backyard light shining through my curtains. And I literally saw a black mass out of the corner of my eye. It freaked me out just now. But it isn't the first time I saw it, but it was the first time I saw it this clear. He said, there were some freaky things from a house in Houston. But that was before my time. Wow. Just wow. Leo has had some strange occurrences indeed. He said he was into the paranormal and at one time he tried to raise a team to do investigations but couldn't get enough people to join him. I don't think it's a small wonder because the town that he's from is my old JUCO which is junior college stomping grounds and the people there are very church oriented i do remember the campus and how it backed up to a huge cemetery just to the south behind a couple of dorms in the band hall the campus of the college had at one time been a methodist seminary then adapted to a more widespread educational concept Hey, it went co-ed back in the 1800's. I can only remember being in the old main building, which is, I think, the original building on campus. I was only in there once, and that was to see a teacher, but I'm sure that building has some stories to, to be told, but oddly enough, in two years of going there, even though I was a commuter, I never heard ghost stories about the campus, which A college without ghost stories? That's really odd. You know about the Bermuda Triangle, right? Did you know that there are other just as strange triangles in the world? For instance, there's the Bridgewater Triangle. Sprawling across a slice of Massachusetts, the Bridgewater Triangle refers to an area of about 200 square miles within southeastern Massachusetts and covers some of the most foreboding and mysterious terrain you can imagine. The Bridgewater Triangle is claimed to be a site of alleged paranormal phenomena ranging from UFOs to poltergeists, orbs, balls of fire, and other spectral phenomena. Various Bigfoot-like sightings, giant snakes, and thunderbirds. And we're not talking about the really hot old Ford car. We're talking about big, huge, birds, or bird-like creatures flying in the air. If you think of vast, bleak wetlands and wooded zones large and dense enough to get lost in, that's the Triangle. This is the area that gave rise to one of the very first UFO sightings way back in the year 1760. Onlookers reported a sphere of fire so brilliant that it was seen across several towns. The triangle has within its area the following places. Hockamock Swamp. Central to the area is Hockamock Swamp, which means the place where spirits dwell. There's the Dighton Rock, D-I-G-H-T-O-N, Dighton Rock, which is also found within the boundaries of the triangle. There's Freetown Fall River State Forest. The Freetown Fall River State Forest has reportedly been the site of various cult activity, including animal sacrifice, ritualistic murders committed by admitted Satanists, as well as a number of gangland murders and a number of suicides. Place called Profile Rock is the supposed site of where Wampanoag historical figure Anawan received the lost wampum belt from Chief Philip or King Philip, I'm not sure which one it is. Legend has it the ghost of a man can be seen sitting on the rock with his legs crossed or with outstretched arms, and that's within the Freetown Fall River State Forest also. There's a place called Solitude Stone, an inscribed stone located near Forest Street in West Bridgewater, which was found near a missing person's body. Also known as Suicide Stone the rock was found with the inscription, All ye who in future days walk by Nunchka stream love not him who hummed his lay cheerful to the parting beam, but the beauty that he wooed. In 1908, a pair of undertakers traveling on a carriage reported a flying object they likened to an unusually strong lantern. Other witnesses corroborated their story, some assuming it was a hot air balloon. The undertakers didn't agree with one writing, I claim that a hot air balloon could not move in a circle or perpendicular, as this one did. Since then, the tales of inexplicable phenomena have come time and time again within the Bridgewater Triangle, such as Bigfoot sightings. There have been several reported sightings of a Bigfoot-like creature in the triangle, usually near the Hockamock Swamp. As I said earlier, the Thunderbird sightings, the giant birds or pterodactyl-like flying creatures with wingspans 8 to 12 feet are claimed to have been seen in Hockamock Swamp and neighboring Taunton, including a report by Norton Police Sergeant Thomas Downing. Animal Mutilations Various incidents of animal mutilation have been reported, particularly in Freetown and Fall River where local police were called to investigate mutilated animals believed to be the work of a cult. Two specific incidents in 1998 were reported, one in which a single adult cow was found butchered in the woods, the other in which a group of calves were discovered in a clearing, grotesquely mutilated as if part of a ritual sacrifice. Then again, there's Native American curses. And according to the tale that I mentioned earlier, The Native Americans had cursed the swamp centuries ago because of the poor treatment they received from the colonial settlers. A revered object of the Wampanoag people, a belt known as the Wampum Belt, was lost during King Philip's War. Legend says that the area owes its paranormal unrest to the fact that this belt was lost from the Native people. Moving right along, we go to the Bennington Triangle this is in vermont another geographical area has become notorious it is the bennington triangle which covers the craggy landmark of glastonbury mountain and ghost towns the town of glastonbury itself had a population of eight according to the 2010 census which gives you an idea how quiet and isolated the area is bennington triangle is a phrase Coined by New England author Joseph A. Citro during a public radio broadcast in 1992 to denote an area of southwestern Vermont within which a number of people went missing between 1945 and 1950. This was further popularized in two books, including Shadow Child, in which he devoted chapters to discussion of these disappearances in various items of folklore surrounding the area. According to Citro, the area shares characteristics with the Bridgewater Triangle in neighboring Massachusetts. Precisely what area is encompassed in this hypothetical mystery triangle is not clear, but it is purportedly centered on Glastonbury Mountain and would include some or most of the area of the towns immediately surrounding it especially Bennington, Woodford, Shaftesbury, and Somerset. Glastonbury and its neighboring township, Somerset, were both once moderately thriving logging and industrial towns, but began declining toward the late 19th century, and are now essentially ghost towns, unincorporated by an act of the state legislature in 1937. The Bennington Triangle has been the setting for a number of unexplained disappearances over the years. They began in 1945 when local man, Mitty Rivers, was leading a group of hikers near the mountain. He walked ahead of the group and seemingly vanished into thin air. An extensive search was conducted, but the only evidence discovered was a single rifle cartridge that was found in a stream. The speculation was that Rivers had leaned over and the cartridge had dropped out of his pocket into the water. The disappearance had occurred in the Long Trail Road area and Vermont Route 9. Rivers, it is said, was an experienced hunter and fisherman and was very familiar with the local area. The very next year, teenager Paula Jean Weldon was hiking in the same area when she disappeared on December 1st, 1946. Weldon was a sophomore at Bennington College she had set out for a hike on the long trail many saw her go including Ernest Whitman a Bennington banner employee who gave her directions she was alleged to have been seen on the trail itself by an elderly couple who were about 100 yards behind her according to them she turned a corner in the trail and when they reached the same corner she disappeared An extensive search was conducted when Weldon didn't return to the college campus, which included the posting of a $5,000 reward and help from the FBI. However, no evidence of her was ever found. Unconfirmed rumors speculated that she had moved to Canada with a boyfriend or that she became a recluse living in the mountains. James E. Tedford T-E-D-F-O-R-D, but it is also spelled as Teford, T-E-F-O-R-D, or Tetford, T-E-T-F-O-R-D, who was a veteran, was the third person to disappear. He went missing on December 1st, 1949, exactly three years after Paula Weldon disappeared. Tedford was a resident from the Bennington Soldiers' Home. He had been in St. Albans, visiting relatives, and was returning home on the local bus when he vanished. According to witnesses, Tedford got on the bus and was still on the bus at the last stop before arriving in Bennington. Somewhere between the last stop in Bennington, Tedford vanished. His belongings were still in the luggage rack and an open bus timetable was on his vacant seat. Some years later, eight-year-old Paul Jeffson, on October 12th, 1950 had accompanied his mother in a truck. She left her son unattended while she fed some pigs. His mother was gone for about an hour. When she returned, her son was nowhere in sight. Search parties were formed to look for the child. Nothing was ever found, although Jeffson was wearing a bright red jacket that should have made him more visible. According to one story, bloodhounds tracked the boy to a local highway where, according to local legend, four years earlier, Paula Weldon had disappeared. Both Paul and Mitty had been in red clothes when they vanished, leading to a superstition that it's bad luck to wear red and visit Glastonbury Mountain. The fifth and final disappearance occurred 16 days after Jefferson had disappeared. On October 28, 1950, Frida Langer, 53, and her cousin Herbert Elsner left their family campsite near the Somerset Reservoir to go on a hike. During the hike, Longer slipped and fell into a stream. She told Elsner if he would wait, she would go back to the campsite, change clothes and catch up to him. When she did not return, Elsner made his way back to the campsite and discovered Longer had not returned and that nobody had seen her since they had left. Over the next two weeks, five searches were conducted, including aircraft, helicopters, and up to 300 searchers. No trace of Longer was found during the search. On May 12, 1951, her body was found near Somerset Reservoir in an area that had been heavily searched seven months previously. No cause of death could be determined because of the condition of her remains. Longer was the last person to disappear and the only one whose body was found. No direct connections have been identified that tie these cases together other than the general geographic area and the time period. We in America do not have the corner on the market of strange triangles. The Dragon's Triangle is off the southern coast of Japan. It is sometimes called the Pacific Bermuda Triangle and sometimes known as the Devil's Sea. This is an area of water, like I said, just off the coast of Japan, and it's been linked to numerous stories of ship disappearances, UFO sightings, and magnetic anomalies, and is sometimes considered a paranormal location, though the veracity of these claims has been questioned. The most disturbing stories focus on Japanese military vessels that vanished in the Triangle in the 1950s, leading to researchers being sent in to see what was going on, and they vanished. Some writers even argue that there are accounts of disappearances on the stretch of ocean going back to the Mongol Empire. The Michigan Triangle. Stretching out for over 300 miles, Lake Michigan is one of the grandest bodies of water on earth. It's also in the ominous embrace of the so-called Michigan Triangle, which has been linked to yet more eerie aerial sightings and alleged disappearances that have inspired tales across the decades. The first mysteries were spoken of back in the 19th century when boats frequently go missing on the lake. One famous victim of the triangle was the Rosa Bell, a double-masted vessel which was found capsized on the lake with no trace of the crew. Her ruptured stern indicates she had been rammed by another vessel, but no other ship reported any such incident. In 1937, Captain George Donner vanished from a freighter sailing through the Triangle. The captain retired for the evening to his cabin, asking to be awoken when they neared their endpoint. Hours later, a crewman went to do just that, to find the cabin empty and the captain gone, and that was a mystery that was never solved. Planes have also been inexplicably downed in the Michigan Triangle, including one of the worst passenger airline crashes in U.S. history. As with all such triangles, many will argue that the stories have been exaggerated by conspiracy mongers. And I can see that happening, I I read different stories and sometimes it just kind of goes off the deep end. But others will maintain that something strange is indeed happening in various hotspots across the world could the skies above Matlock Derbyshire in England be home to UFOs the Matlock triangle in Britain shouldn't feel left out of all these spooky goings on after all they have their very own Matlock triangle a zone in the Derbyshire Dales which some have been calling the UFO capital of the world Numerous stories have circulated about odd glowing objects hurtling over the dales, from cigar-shaped aircraft to one shaped like a bowler hat. One of the most widely reported sightings was made by Sharon Rollins, who is a local woman who considered herself to be a complete and utter disbeliever in UFOs, until she set eyes on a giant colorful disc hovering over her village. Rollins caught the incident on her camcorder and reportedly sold the footage to a U.S. TV company for a handsome sum. As with the more famous Bermuda Triangle, controversy still rages over whether these are simply tall tales based on misinformation and bad science, or whether weird events really have occurred on these choppy waters. What makes some of these triangles special places? Are they haunted? Are they places where the physical laws of the three-dimensional world we live in don't apply? According to some researchers, they are locations of anomalies called vile vortices, vile vortex in a singular usage. A vile vortex is any of 12 purported particular geographic areas arranged in a pattern around the earth. The term was coined by Ivan Sanderson, who catalog them as the sites of unexplained disappearances and other mysterious phenomena. Sanderson asserts that 12 vortices are situated along particular lines of latitude. Five of the vortices are on the same latitude to the south of the equator, and five are on the same latitude to the north. The other two are the North and South Poles. The idea has been taken up by other fringe writers who have argued that the vortices are linked to subtle matter energy, ley lines, or electromagnetic aberration. The phenomenon is addressed as geometric patterns, as explored by Plato in the book Anti-Gravity and the World Grid. You gotta read it. It's a scorcher. Paul Begg, in a series of articles for the Unexplained magazine, criticized the methodology of writers on the subject of unexplained disappearances. He checked original records of the alleged incidents. Often he found, the ships which were claimed to have mysteriously disappeared actually had a mundane reason for their loss. For instance, the Raifuku Maru, a Japanese merchant ship which sank in heavy seas in the North Atlantic in 1925. Some were lost in storms, although the vortex writers would claim that the weather was fine at the time. In other cases, locations of losses were changed to fit the location of the vortex. Sometimes, interestingly enough, no record was found that the ship had ever existed. Outright denial, utter disbelief, or a case of, if I don't believe it, it didn't happen. Locations accepted and put forth as the sites of these vortices are the Bermuda Triangle, the Algerian Megaliths in North Africa, the Indus Valley, Pakistan, the Devil Sea which I said was south of Japan, the Hamakulia Volcano east of Hawaii, the South Atlantic Anomaly east of Rio de Janeiro, Great Zimbabwe Mines and Structures, Wharton Basin, Loyalty Islands, Easter Island Megaliths, North Pole, and the South Pole. Quite a few years ago, and I mean really quite a few years ago, I read a novel, and it looked spooky enough to be just up my alley, which it was. It was a novel called Ghost Boat. Now, we're not talking about the the one about the big liner that came out as a movie. This was about a World War II submarine, American submarine that disappeared during the war and then suddenly almost 40 years later it surfaces right in front of a Japanese merchant ship which causes no end of stress between the two now allies Uh, it discusses vile vortices and that's what introduced me to this and gives a very good description of them in the book saying that the the boat had sailed into a vile vortices and disappeared and Reappeared this long time later at the same vile vortices or vortex. So it's it's a very interesting story. It was copyrighted in 1980 by George E Simpson and Neil R Berger, and it's a very good book. Uh, it's it's not just a military book; it's a paranormal book. So you might want to grab a hold of copy of that. Well, that's about it for this week. I want to thank you for coming along for the ride, my fellow Mysterians. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thanks for riding. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.